In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Politically Georgia podcast, where we bring you news and analysis of all the latest Georgia shenanigans in Congress and under the Gold Dome. I'm your host, Greg Bluestein. Today, I'm joined by my colleague, Mark Nisi, the AJC state government reporter, to discuss voting machines and election security. You've been writing a lot about lately. Oh, yes. It's been hot and fascinating topic. Well, it's been a crazy, hectic week in that realm. And let's start a little bit with some context before we dive right in. So the state adopted these new voting machines, and they're not new anymore, but the state adopted these voting machines around 2002, and they were supposed to be the most secure, most efficient method to count ballots that were on the market. Even back then, we both covered it back in 2002, 2003-ish, even back then there were a lot of concerns that there was no paper backup. But now those worries have sort of reached a crescendo. Give us the lay of the land. These voting machines were brought in in the wake of the 2000 presidential election, where recounts in Florida because of hanging chads and dimpled paper ballots uh, caused a lot of confusion and uncertainty about the outcome of the election. So this was supposed to be the next great thing in technology to make voting easier and more accurate. And at the time, that was true in comparison to lever machines or to punch card ballots. But over time, with the threat of hacking and foreign interference, people just don't trust electronic voting machines as much as they did in the past, which has led to many calls for us to have some sort of paper backup so that if something were wrong with an election, it could be checked against an actual physical record, not just bits on a memory card. And the latest news is a judge ruled against plaintiffs in a lawsuit who had sought to force Georgia to use paper ballots for November's election. Yeah, we'll get into more of that, that ruling in a, in a minute. You know, it's it's funny because this, this argument has become so politicized. These changes were adopted back in 2002 when there's a Republican governor, um, Democrats controlled the Secretary of State's office and part of the legislature. It was bipartisan mostly at the time. Uh, Has the pushback now been sort of from both sides of the aisle? Yes, but I would say that Democrats are more concerned than Republicans in general about the sanctity of the voting system because it's supporters of Democratic candidates who don't trust the Republican leadership of our state, especially Brian Kemp, who's running for governor and is also the secretary of state. So that attracts a lot of criticism for him and his role of whether he's doing everything that he should be or not, his opponents will latch on to that as reason for suspicion. 
Yeah, this has been one of the main sort of tropes helping to find of many tropes helping to define this governor's race. You've got um, Brian Kemp, as you mentioned, the Secretary of State, the head of the, the the chief overseer of the state's elections, and Stacey Abrams, the Democrat in the race, who's who has kind of built her her national platform at least on voting rights, on expanding the electorate, on trying to register a universe of left leaning voters that don't often vote. Uh, and particularly don't often vote in midterm elections through the New Georgia Project and other other efforts, who has called Brian Kemp the single most dangerous uh, obstacle to voting rights and voting uh, voter rights expansions in Georgia. And that's where the battle is taking place between those who don't trust Kemp to administer elections properly. Now, from Kemp's perspective, he says, look, Yes, the Secretary of State's office reports election results, and they have some management functions, but elections are done at the local level in Georgia. Georgia has 159 counties and 159 local election offices, and each of those county election offices counts ballots, registers voters, and reports information to the state. So he's saying, how could I even tamper with an election if I wanted to, since all the information is gathered and validated by local election offices? And he also points to rising voter participation since 2010 and also the online uh, voter registration uh, that, that, that took place while he was in office. Um, and so that's been sort of a constant sort of pushback uh, to all the concerns. But I listen, I was down in Plains just the other day and um, it was the day of the ruling or the day after the ruling. And I asked uh, President Carter, who knows a thing or two about election monitoring, uh, what he thought and, uh, about the ruling, and I don't think he had actually read the full ruling yet, but he did say the typical sort of Democratic attack line, which Republicans are doing broadly, Republicans in Georgia, North Carolina, around the nation, he said, are doing everything they can to stop more voter registration and voter uh, participation in the polls uh, for, for minorities and for the poor and for people who have harder time accessing the ballot, maybe the elderly. Um, and that's sort of been this backdrop of really this whole race. That's a mixed bag, too. Mm -hmm. um, the voter registration battle where, on the one hand, voter registration numbers are way up um, by, I believe, somewhere around a million voters since Kemp took office in 2010. Um, and But at the same time, there have been several hundred thousand voters purged from the rolls for being inactive or not participating in a recent election. So this back and forth is really heated up before the November vote, um, given this Abrams versus Kemp showdown. Uh, and at the same time, you, you have this litigation. There's been lots of litigation over the years, but um, this, this federal lawsuit um, kind of reached ahead earlier this year. It was designed to force some sort of paper verification, and uh, it's gone through a lot of twists and turns uh, and it could have been handled earlier, but through a lot of different um, uh, uh, court litigation and motions behind the scenes intrigue, uh, we got this ruling a few days ago. Right. And the federal judge really did agree with a lot of the concerns about our election system. She heard a lot of testimony from computer cybersecurity experts about the potential for vulnerabilities in our system, the potential for hackers to get in somehow, to contaminate memory cards, to get into election servers. Now, election officials in Georgia and in its counties say, no, we have security protections to make sure nobody can get in. But the tech experts say, look, it's a computer. Any computer can be compromised. And that's why 
they need a paper record. So the judge ultimately came down saying she hears those concerns and she's concerned as well. And she wants Georgia to have a more verifiable and accurate system. But it's just too close to the November election with early voting starting October 15th to change to paper ballots on such short notice. That kind of change so quickly could cause even more problems, such as long lines, voter confusion, closure of early voting sites, and more. And we've heard from local county officials, Democrats and Republicans, who agreed with that line, saying essentially that, yeah, if they were had to do some sort of paper backup, paper ballot, paper verification, um, it would be chaotic. It would be very difficult. Um, they, they would have to sort of overhaul everything they were doing. So you heard the same sort of argument from, from local officials. Um, but the big takeaway uh, that, that sort of stuck out reading the, reading the ruling was the head in the sand line, which was, yes, Judge Totenberg said that it's too late in the process to do this now. It's, it's, it, it'll, it'll lead some to, to chaos. But state officials, she said, had their heads in the sand all along uh, dealing with this. What, what impact do you think that will have over the next few months and over next year's debate, no matter who wins? Well, I think it will drive action to a new voting system in Georgia. Those efforts are already underway. And while Georgia has not moved toward a new voting system yet, um, they the state legislature did consider that. And Secretary of State Brian Kemp did start his own group a couple of months, a few months ago, to evaluate options for a voting system. But before that, we went years without really talking about what system Georgia should use, knowing that it was on the horizon that Georgia would likely move to some sort of replacement system for to the one we've been using for 16 years. And, you know, Georgia is one of only five states left that relies entirely on direct recording electronic voting machines without any sort of paper verification. So what do you think? You're right. I mean, this has been going, we've been here at the Capitol for years covering the biggest issues. And it was sort of always in the backdrop. There was always a constant sort of hum, but it was never this loud outcry until very recently. What do you think led, uh, what has led to all these concerns, all these you know, a rising concerns about voter integrity. It's been building over the last two years. First, there was the Kennesaw State University, um, which housed election databases and servers that were exposed on the internet without any security. Anybody who knew the web address could have found some of the information that was out there. And that raised questions about security. Then there's the 2016 election and alleged Russian interference in that election, which led people to say, well, what are we doing to stop foreign interference in our elections here in Georgia? Then in July, we learned from Robert Mueller's investigation that a Russian agent visited election websites in Cobb and Fulton County. Now, he didn't penetrate election servers or change anything. He just looked at these websites. But even that shows that a Russian agent was looking at election websites in Georgia. And then on top of that, we have broader concerns about hacking and data insecurity, not just in government, but in the private sector. We've seen large corporations like Equifax, for example, uh, release voter, not voter information, but release their customer information and scramble with the fallout Mm -hmm. from that. And so a lot of people are saying if that could happen for a company like Equifax in the business world, 
our government election systems could also be vulnerable. And one more thing to add uh, along the same lines, but we also had Brian Kemp's office accidentally release confidential voter information uh, to, to political parties and to media outlets, too, that raised different concerns, not about voter integrity, but about about our confidential information along the same lines of, of the Equifax. Um, it seemed like there was a consensus earlier this year in the legislature that there was going to be – that there are – there are a majority of lawmakers that do want this new system. The question is what type of system it will be and how much money it will cost. Seems like, though, everyone's on the same page as there will be some sort of paper verification process, right? Yes, we have gotten to the point where almost everyone involved in the process agrees on two things. We need to replace our election system and that it should include some sort of paper backup. So that progress, if you will, has been... Made. There's still a lot of disagreement about what kind of system and how much it will cost and what will be the provider, what company will do it. Will we vote on touchscreens that print out a ballot or will we vote with a pen and a paper to bubble it in? And that's probably where most of the debate will be centered come the 2019 legislative session. But the goal is to have a new system in place for the 2020 presidential primary. And all these all these arguments you just mentioned came up in this court case where Judge Totenberg said exactly that. She said, you know, we need something in 2020. Take your heads out of the sands, I guess, is one way to put it. Um, you were in the courtroom for that. I'm really intrigued by, 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 by the arguments and also the fact that, um, of all things, Brian Kemp was represented by a former Democratic governor of Georgia, Roy Barnes. What was that like? What what arguments did he try to make on behalf of Kemp? He doubted the credibility of the computer experts who said that Georgia's election machines were vulnerable to hacking. He said that they hadn't specifically worked with Georgia's election machines. They had just worked with machines that were similar from other states. And he also, through his questioning, suggested that these computer security researchers weren't taking into account the security protocols that are around these machines, saying basically, sure, if you have a voting machine in your possession that's not connected to anything else and not locked up and doesn't have anybody watching it, you can tinker with it and find a way to tamper with it. But he suggested that Georgia does have protocols to try to protect election information. Ultimately, I don't believe the judge found those that line of questioning very convincing. If California uses a very similar voting machine as Georgia does, for example, it doesn't really matter that it's in California. It's basically the same thing with the same type of vulnerabilities. And just because computer security researchers haven't touched or seen Georgia-specific voting machines, they've seen a identical model with a slightly different version of operating system software. So I, I don't think she found that persuasive. I think she is very concerned about the security of election systems and the possibility that someone from the outside could somehow get a malware or a virus or a stray memory card into either election servers or into voting machines themselves and then spread throughout a county or even throughout the state. I kind of read it as the state won by the skin of their teeth. If um, if if this same argument had taken place, and there's no way to tell this for sure, but let's say in January or February, it, we'd be heading towards paper ballots. But because it was taking place just before early voting starts, 
and less than two months before the election, it was going to be it was going to be too tough of a, a hill to climb um, to, to 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 overhaul the whole system that quickly. Right. Ultimately, the plaintiffs in the case said that the state was exaggerating the impact of a quick switch to paper ballots. But still, I think the multiple witnesses, both from the Secretary of State's office and from local county election offices about the hardship and expense and scramble and bureaucracy required to get this done so quickly, I think the judge really heard that and trusted them because while computer security experts are the expert in that field, election officials are the ones who know how things work on the ground. They're the ones who really have to put together an an election and make sure it's smooth and safe and that voters aren't turned away or that their votes aren't counted. So what are Kemp and Abrams saying about this ruling now? Kemp is saying voters can be confident that their votes will be counted and that Georgia's elections are safe. He says that Georgia's voting machines have never been hacked and that it is time to replace them, but they are safe and secure. Quick PolitiFact analysis. Is that all in your estimation to be accurate? We don't have any evidence that our voting systems have been hacked. Now, on the other side of that, computer cybersecurity people say, well, No, we don't have evidence of that, but it's possible that malware could be written so it would erase itself. And you'd never know that if you were a sophisticated foreign government and you wanted to penetrate election systems and get somebody elected over someone else, you could do that. And there would be no because there's no paper record, they could write the software so that even forensic analysis might not be able to tell whether anything had been tampered with. And even if it's not connected to the internet, even if those these voting machines, like they're not, they're not connected to the internet, they're still... You saw a demonstration of this, right? Right. And even whether they're connected to the internet is a big point of dispute. No, they're not directly connected to the internet through a live internet connection, but there are file transfers from USB drives and from CDs. And that's how malware can spread. Um, If those USB drives or CDs are ever inserted into a computer and have information written to them from a computer connected to the Internet, then cybersecurity experts say, then in effect, the election computers are also connected to the Internet. That's how these things happen. They even point to the Stuxnet virus Mm -hmm. that infected Iran's nuclear program and really hindered it. The general consensus is that either the United States or Israel or both collaborated to spread that to hurt Iran's nuclear program. And that's how it's believed to have spread through USB drives onto computers that weren't connected directly to the Internet. So they say the same thing could happen in Georgia's elections. Now, Abrams has an interesting take on this, which is Georgia's Georgians, if you want to be sure that your vote is counted, you can vote on paper. You can ask for an absentee by mail ballot. Your election office will mail you a ballot. You can fill it out and put it in an envelope that's already addressed for you. Put it in the mail and then you have a paper record that you can be sure won't be altered by electronic tampering, real or imagined. You know if you have a paper record, that's one more safeguard to ensure your vote is counted. And Abrams on both Twitter, Facebook, and her own webpage is suggesting that voters take advantage of this system to use a paper ballot currently 
and avoid using our touchscreen machines. That's a really interesting point. And Abrams' campaign last week really did a big push on these paper ballot, uh, this absentee ballot uh, issue. I've heard estimates from other Democrats saying that they're they're going to be you know pushing for as many as it won't be this high, but as many as a million um, absentee ballots. It won't be that high. But there'll be a, there'll be probably higher than than a higher number of absentee ballots than we've seen in, in past statewide elections, um, and this could be a significant way for. Look, when we were talking about Randolph County, when we, you did all the reporting on the Randolph County and the voting precincts, that was always sort of in the in the backdrop was Democrats were reminding voters that yes, it might be hard if they if they do succeed in closing those those uh, a number of polling precincts, uh, which they didn't. But in other counties where they, where where county officials have closed some precincts, um, and you've reported what there's uh, a significant amount of polling precincts closed since since 2010, um, that absentee ballots are always the backup, and as you mentioned, they're also paper. So there is that sort of paper verification built in. Right. Absolutely. And Mark, one more final question. You mentioned this a little bit earlier. This is going to be the big 2019 debate, no matter who wins. This will be a big part of what the legislative, which the legislature does next. But going into this vote in 2018, um, should voters be concerned about the election integrity, the integrity of their vote, the security of their vote? The bottom line is that a lot of voters do have concerns, but that isn't a reason not to vote. Um, what I'm hearing from voting advocates and experts on all sides is if you want to protect your right to vote, then vote. If you are concerned about hacking, vote, because the more people vote, the larger sample size you have to find out if anything has been changed and the more votes that a hacker would have to change to make a difference. So it will be this this does cause concern about the integrity of our voting system, but it's not a reason to stay home. Well, Mark, I really appreciate you joining us today. Great. Thanks, Greg. Well, that's all for this week's edition of the Politically Georgia podcast. Head to AJC.com forward slash politics to subscribe to Politically Georgia. You'll get access to our daily newsletter, along with all of our stories and updates on all things Georgia politics. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and rate us. It really means a lot to us when you do. And as always, thank you for listening. Hip hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song. The celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents. Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants a rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter.